man, it's your birthday. It is your birthday. Guy wanted to bust out in a 50 cent song there, but I won't because God doesn't want that, I don't think. So, you know, it's, it, as I reminisce about three years ago, um, I'll never forget when I first stepped on this stage and, and preached our first message, we did a series called Why Church? Because we really wanted people, I mean, why are we planting meadows? Why do we want people to come? What is the purpose? What is the goal? You know, and we unpacked a four-week series about why church matters and why it's so crucial to who we are. It's still a jungle out there, but it's less of a jungle than it used to be. Because in the last three years, 317 people have given their lives to Jesus Christ in our church. So yeah, we're called to be a meadow in a jungle, and we're going to keep doing it. Because the world, if you haven't noticed, isn't really trending in the correct direction. So it's time for the church to step up even more and be the church that God's calling us to be. Amen? Man. So, i got to start with a question, because as I reflect on the series that we started this church with, um, we talked about why church. And how many people grew up going to church? You grew up just going to church. Yeah, a lot of you did. The majority, I did too. A lot of you know that I grew up Catholic. And I went to a Catholic grade school, birth through, or birth, wow, that's pretty early. Uh, it felt like I was going that long, but it was just uh, kindergarten through eighth grade. And uh, it, actually just saying I went to a Catholic school reminds me, um, side note here, did, who, raise your hand if you watched the presidential debate. Anybody? I mean, that was fun, wasn't it? So uh, I actually, with my connections to the Catholic Church, I found the next mediator for the, the next debate. Uh, I got a picture over just to show you, so... Yeah, so I'll guarantee, I'll guarantee when she says two minutes, it's two minutes, okay? When she says don't interrupt, you ain't interrupting. So and somebody asked me, were there really nuns teaching you? I'm like, yeah. Did they really like smack you? Yeah, they did. So that is not like some fairy tale. So um, I'm still getting counseling over that, but whatever, that's for another time. Uh, growing up going to church. So I did grow up going to church. I I've told you that my mom used to dress, I'm the youngest of six kids, my mom would dress, at, dress us in themes some Sundays. It was weird, like, I tried to find this picture, I know it's out there, but it's, it's me and my brother dressed up, like, in Western gear, and my sisters have these Western dresses on. It's like, it looks like we're going to go trick-or-treating. I don't even understand what my mom is doing. Like, why would you do that? But I, can't, I cannot find the picture. So I think that's God protecting you from even having to see it. I really do. It's so jacked up. And I remember, like, me as a kid, my hair was always sticking up, like rooster tails or whatever. And my mom, I don't know if your mom did this, maybe for the guys, but my mom would, like, take her spit, you know, and she'd, like, do that. And I'm now I look back and I think there's a couple, that's wrong, like on a couple levels. Number one, did we not have hair gel? Like seriously, was there none? I mean, what, or could we not afford it? Number two, that, isn't there a lack of hygiene there? I mean, you're like, lick, that's like licking a person's head. So I don't know. Maybe that was just my mom. I don't know. It worked. There's something about a mother's saliva that just works. So um, yeah, that was weird. So, but, it, but me in the church, I grew up going to church multiple times a week. Um, I grew up uh, uh, raised in the church, really. Altar boy, all this stuff. But at 18 years old, as I left the house to go to college, I left the church. And I don't think that's uncommon. I, that's probably a lot of your story, I, I bet. If you, if you went to church as a kid or even as a student or a, a high schooler, many of you are probably, you got my story, where you got out on your own. You're like, oh, no one's really forced me to go to church. Why go to church? And you just don't do it. That's so much, that's, that's very common. And uh, that was me. And I walked away from the church for, not because I was mad, not because the church hurt me, not, not, nothing in church. I just thought, I thought it was a waste of time. Like, I thought it was boring. I didn't get nothing out of it. Why would I waste my time? I had other things to do in college other than go to church. So, 
And I did a lot of those other things, and there was nothing about church in those things. So, but I looked at the stats that I shared with many of you. By the way, raise your hand if you were here for the very first service. There's got to be a few of you. Yeah, give it up for them. They've, they've hung out, I mean, three years. That's pretty big. That's awesome. But, but you know what excites me about what I just saw? Most of you weren't. And look what God has done over the last three years. That's, that's exciting for me. Um, some stats I shared about the church, that first message, I, as I reflected on it this week, this is, what, this is a few of the stats, just to remind you what we, what we were dealing with. Fewer than 20% of Americans I shared attend church on a regular basis. That's, that was then, and that's, that's not gotten any higher probably um, at this point overall in America. 22% have a positive view of church. In other words, two out of 10 people, when you say church, they immediately think something negative. Immediately. It, that's why they're not going. There's, there's obviously something that they don't think is good or that's just not for them. The last one, half of all churches in America, this, in this, so in 2017, so this would have been 2016 they're reflecting on, half of all churches the previous year did not add one person through conversion. What that means is no, one, no one's meeting Jesus. Like the church is either like the same people are coming every week and no new people and certainly no one is listening to the gospel and saying, oh my gosh, I want that in my life and giving their life to Christ. You know, no one, over, not over, it says half the churches. And I think about that and I think there, there's, there's something wrong with those stats. And that's why Meadows, we know that we're called to be, we're not called to be other churches, we're called to be who God's called us to be. And uh, I love what I heard this week. Someone said, a guy was sharing how he was inviting somebody to Meadows, they were asking about it, and they said, well, what's it like? And what he told them, he didn't, what he didn't share was any of our seven core values, which all would have been great answers. He didn't share our, our, our mission statement. We exist to lead people to Christ and their God-given purpose. This is what he said. It's a church where it's okay to not be okay. And I thought to myself, wow, that's awesome. If that's our reputation, I thought to myself, we are a church where it's okay to not be okay. So I won't make you raise your hand, but many of us, including the guy talking right now, are not okay in an area of our life. I mean, and I know some of you aren't okay. We have Minnesota Vikings fans that come to this church. You are not okay. I'm just going to say it. What's wrong with you? Come on. My gosh, the prayer room's right back there. I need to see you afterwards. What the heck? I mean, the Cowboys have at least won one game. So anyway. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Let's get back on track. So... <laughs> people that aren't okay. I love that. I love that he said that. I love that's what his heart says about Meadows Church because that's who Jesus came for. We have many anthems that we could pick for scripture for Meadows Church. I think Luke 5.32 could certainly be one of them. Jesus the King speaking. I have come to call not those who think they're okay, not those who are righteous or think they're righteous, that's a big word, think, but those who know, say I know, those who know they are sinners and they need to repent. Those who know they're not okay. Listen to me. If you know you're not okay, you're exactly who Jesus came for. And, and I'm telling you what, this, this very possibly could be a church for you because we are a group of misfits and the more you come out, the more you hang out here, the more you're gonna know that. But I just believe something. I think a church without broken people, and I've said it before, is a broken church. A church without broken people is a broken church. But I'm telling you something. In the last three years, God has shown us something. Like, he has showed us that he can take what's broken and turn it into something beautiful. He, he does it all the time. He's done it in many of your lives. And if he hasn't yet, keep coming. He will, I promise you. 
It is so, he is in the business of doing that. But yet, as I reflect on where God is leading us after our three-year mark, there's so much more opportunity in our world, isn't there? I shared earlier, the world's not trending in a good direction. And if you don't, you, you already know that. I don't even need to convince you of that. You know society isn't trending in the right direction. You know our culture isn't trending in the right direction. You know the world overall is not trending in the right direction. It is not, it is not. And I'm telling you, if you're a believer, that, that should not surprise you. It shouldn't. It, and it'll get worse. But that doesn't mean, that, that means that the church just has a bigger goal. That just means we have a bigger spotlight. That just means we have a bigger opportunity. See, that shouldn't, like, that shouldn't deflate you. That should actually ignite you. It should excite you. That's what it, should, that's what it does for me. The world is a dark place. But King Jesus, you know what he said? He said, I am the light of the world. This is Jesus speaking. I am the light of the world. Follow me and you will have the light that leads to life. I want that light. We will be that light as Meadows Church. And we will not stop shining a bright light in a dark place. And the darker it is, the, the brighter God shines. And I, I love that. I'm, I, it saddens me where we're going as a world. It excites me because the church has an opportunity. So it's like this, this I don't know, this, this tension that's there. Man, but you know what I'm talking about because you've had it in your life where you're in a dark place and you think, gosh, I just gotta, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. I know there's a light at the end of the tunnel and you're begging for that light at the end of the tunnel. And then 2020 hits and you realize the light at the end of the tunnel is actually a train. It's like, dang it, I thought that was good. A train, I've, had, I've been hit by a few trains, I swear. So... I want to share with you a couple things that God has showed me over the last three years that will, cast, that, that will really reflect on where we've been, and it's also going to give you a very good idea of where God is calling us to go. So, but God has actually shown me a lot more than just a few things, but we only have a limit, limited amount of time, Casey. I know you'd like to hear me for the next four hours, but I can't do that. So um, <laughs> he, he said, you know what he showed me? One thing that's not even in my notes. God has shown me that when people find out I'm a pastor, a lot of people um, act weird. You know, they just, it's just different. Now, I never realized that would happen. You don't know it until you're in it. It's funny, when we first got to our neighborhood and we first moved to the Omaha area, I'm sitting around a bunch of guys, kind of guys in the neighborhood, and we're hanging out. And, you know, they don't know. I don't know them. They don't know me. And, you know, uh, they're having some adult beverages, and I'm hanging out with them. And one of the guys is like, hey, did you hear about that girl? And another, another guy's like, hey, 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 have you met Monty? Hey, he's a pastor. He's a pastor. And I was like, what? He's like, hi, Pastor Monty. I'm like, what in the heck is happening here? Now, now, what about this girl you're talking about? We never heard that story. I never heard that story. Don't know, don't know anything about the girl. Don't know what he was going to say. That story just stopped. So there's people that will just shut down. And then there's people that will go the other direction. And they're like, they'll just start opening up. It's like I could be at a restaurant and have a waiter. Oh, you're a pastor? I'm like, yeah, I'm a pastor. He's like, uh-uh. I smoked crack last night. I'm like, yeah, I just came here for the buffalo chicken wrap. I don't know if you, I can pray for you, and I may, I now pray for him. But he's not done. He's like, I'm also having an affair. I'm like, okay, is there anything else? Are there any dead bodies in your backyard you want to tell me about? I mean, I'm, I'm here for, it's just, they'll either shut down or they'll completely just, woo. So, either way. So, it's weird, but... <laughs> I still want to know that story about that girl. I just was curious. So here's what I want to tell you that I've learned about you. About This is about Meadows Church in particular. Not just the church, but our church. We have been a front row seat to the grace of God. 
So we have been a front row seat to the grace of God. Remember people that aren't okay? What they desperately need is God's grace and love because they probably already felt the condemnation. They've already felt shame. They already know they're, you know, they're probably not doing things right. When I was in my drug addiction, no one had to tell me, God, you're a horrible drug addict. It's like, I, I know, I, I get it. You're doing, you're doing really stupid things. Yeah, 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 I, I, I know, I, I'm, I'm doing them. I, I, most people, you don't have to really point it out. I mean, they already know. But, but we have shown people a front row seat to the grace of God. So what does that mean? I kind of alluded to, to it earlier. It means that you, when you come in, you're not just hearing about a word from God, but many people at Meadows, you are actually having an encounter with God. And they're completely different. I went to church all my life, you know, through my, through my childhood and, and teen years. I was hearing of God. I was not having an encounter with God. And I'm not, don't hear me like I'm bad-mouthing the Catholic church. I'm not. A lot of it was on me and me not really caring about what they were saying too. So, I mean, I got a foundation in that church, so don't hear that. But I'm just saying, and there's different churches for different people. I knew that wasn't for me. But I'm just telling you, there was no encounter. It was nothing personal. It was not there. But 13 years ago, when I sat in a church, much like Meadows, and, and, and the Spirit of the Lord moved in my life, and, and something happened. It went from hearing about God to having an experience, an encounter with God. And it changed everything. It changed everything. That's what we're seeing happen at Meadows Church. That's what we're seeing God do. It excites me so much. It's all of a sudden, it's personal. It's not just about this God that's up there, but it's this God who's right here with us. That's why I tell you, religion, religion is, is, is to me, religion was all about rules and what I'm doing wrong and I'm screwing up and I get all that. But, but that's why I keep telling you, Meadows, I'll say it every week if I have to, Meadows is not a religious organization. We're not. Jesus wasn't about religion. I'll say it over and over to remind us all the time. Jesus Christ did not come to make you religious. Jesus Christ came to show you the love of the Father. Aren't you grateful that he wants to know you today? That Jesus wants to meet you in such a personal way? Oh my gosh, that's different. So there's a difference between hearing about God or experiencing God. It's, it's, it's what I'm seeing happen at Meadows Church all the time. I could tell you story after story after story of people having encounters with God. I'm going to share a story with you out of the word of, the, word of God. This, I, I really prayed. I'm like, God, because I didn't know. A Monday, a, a Monday of this last week, I didn't know the main scripture I wanted to share yet. I'm like, oh, it's an epic weekend. This is our third year anniversary. You know, it's so, so big. I want to just, and, and, and as I prayed, and as I thought about us being a front row seat to the grace of God, God showed me. He's so good. I freak out. I'm like, God, you're not there. I don't know. I'm going to get up there, and I don't know what to say. And all of a sudden, God moves in and shows me John 8. If you've got a Bible or a mobile app, go to John 8, verse 1. This story is the front row seat to the grace of God. And again, there's a lot of stories that will sum up our church. Meadows, we get our name from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Some, some translations say he lets me rest in green pastures. I couldn't name us pastors church because I think of poop and I think of pastures and it doesn't work. So um, I just do. I grew up on a farm, so I get, you know, so I could, it couldn't be pastures. It had to be meadows. You get it. And meadows, NLT translate. I was reading that when I, I was reading that when God spoke to me about planting a church. Anyway, so, but that's for another time. John 8, 1, a front row seat to the grace of God. Are you ready? Say I'm ready. I need to hear you. All right. Jesus has returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he went back again to the temple. You could say he's going back again to, to church. A crowd gathered, just like we have a crowd here today, and he sat down 
and he taught them. And as he was speaking, and trust me, he is speaking the word of God. He's, he's, he's preaching Old Testament stuff to them right now. And as he was speaking, the teachers of religious law, here we go with religion, the teachers of religion, religious law, and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. And they throw her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said, this woman's been caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? Pause for a second. Understand this about the woman. You want to talk about feeling shame and knowing how horrible you are? She's most likely naked. They're not going to let her, oh, yeah, go ahead and get dressed, honey, before we take you out to Jesus and throw you in front of everybody. No, they would rip her out and throw her in front of everybody naked, so she's sitting there naked. And by the way, where's the guy? That's always my question. I, last time I checked, it, it, it would take two. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. And by the way, religious people, if you want to talk about the law of Moses, the law of Moses says stoning is what they deserve, but not just her, but also him. But religion will pick and choose, okay? Religion will say, you know what? You're worse. That sin is worse than that sin. And, and you're, you're doing it, but you're okay because we're connected. But you, you're doing it. I can't believe you're doing it. And it's really, it can be judgmental. That's religion. That's what you see here. And by the way, the religious people in this story, the Pharisees, they didn't give a crap less about the woman anyway. They didn't care if she got really stoned or not. It wasn't about her. It was about Jesus. They wanted to trick Jesus into saying something that went against the law so they could stone him or kill him in whatever way they saw fit. That's, that's who they wanted to murder. We didn't care about the woman. They could care less about women in that day, especially men, men of religion. You know, they didn't care. Jesus, don't you love that Jesus, he, he, in a society that would look down at children and women, Jesus would elevate them. Jesus' ministry was surrounded with them. Women are the first ones that got to see Jesus risen from the dead. I, Jesus was just a game changer, and I just, I think, it's a pretty cool thing so but what did she deserve at the end of the day she deserved to be stoned right and now this is Meadows Church so I always got to clarify because somebody's like well I've been stoned okay that's not what I'm talking about okay I'll say it a time again it's different okay by the way we have ice cream for you after the service you'll be fine so just saying <laughs> I've been stoned we know all right so Verse 6, they were trying to trap Jesus. This is what I'm telling you. It wasn't about the woman. It was about Jesus. We're trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him. So Jesus stoops down, and he writes in the dust with his finger. As he's writing in the dust, they keep demanding an answer. So he stands up after writing in the dust. He says, all right, you want an answer? Let the one who's never sinned, you with the rocks in your hand ready to chuck it at her, let the one who's never sinned throw the first stone. That's all he had to say. And then he stooped down to write again. Now, I've read that scripture a lot. Every week God shows me stuff, I tell you that. I never knew he bent down twice. I'm embarrassed to tell you that. I never knew he got, he wrote in the dirt, he got up, and then he wrote in the dirt again. So anyway, so, and I'm teaching you religion. So not religion, I shouldn't say that. I'm teaching you the word of God. But God shows me stuff all the time. So he, write, so he gets down and writes again. But what he said was so telling, and they knew they had sinned. It was obvious. Jesus knew. That's why he said it. And when the accusers heard this in verse 9, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until it was only Jesus left in the middle of the crowd with the woman, laying on the ground naked. Jesus speaks to the woman, and he says, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them, religious people, condemn you? And she said, no, Lord. And Jesus says, neither do I. Now go and sin no more. I hear that story and I think of what she, see, this is God's grace. 
That's a front row seat to the grace of God because understand, both the man and the woman in the adultery, what they deserved under the law of Moses, they were correct. In that day, it was stoning. So what is grace? If someone ever asks you what grace is, point them to John 8 and just read that. That's grace because what, she, what, what did she deserve under the law? Well, she deserved to die. She deserved, she deserved death by stoning. What did Jesus give her? The opposite. So, so grace says you, you deserve something bad but I'm gonna give you something good. You deserve death, but Jesus says, I'm gonna offer you a second chance and I'm gonna give you life. Now, I'm not saying you should keep doing what you've been doing. Now, don't do that anymore, but I, I don't accuse you because you know why, woman? There's no condemnation for those that love me, that are in me. This is, this is the picture of the grace of God. We are a front row seat, seat to the grace of God. I, I love that story. It's so, and Jesus, we'll come back to it in just a second. Because we're a front row seat to the grace of God, people have been inviting people to come because we all know people that are hurting and struggling. And some of you, a lot of you have invited others. Number one way that we grow is, it ain't by me preaching, really. It's by you going out and being the church and loving people and inviting them. That's how we've grown to where we are. And it's incredible. It's people like Jasmine who have been transformed in the church, changed in the church as a, she had a front row seat to the grace of God, and then she invites an old friend of hers that she hadn't talked to in a long time, a woman named Nicole. And now Nicole's getting transformed because she has a front row seat to the grace of God. But you know what? Rather than me talking about it, just, just check out the screen and just check a little bit, little bit of the story. It's awesome. It's amazing. I was going to Meadows for about a year. It was a... It was a really big transformation for me. I grew as a person in just so many different ways and we hadn't been talking as often as we used to. It was, our friendship was a little bit different but it was still there and it was still just as deep. Knowing you throughout high school, I don't ever remember you mentioning anything about um, being Christ-centered or anything about God in general and neither did I. I mean, he wasn't, he was a part of my life, but it was more I kept it at home and to myself, and that's really how I grew up with religion was just keeping it to myself, and um, I felt, you know, a little disconnected finally, and maybe there was something new out there for me, and so Jasmine made me feel that way, and so I ventured out here and visited back home for about a week or so, and then uh, she mentioned that she was God-centered and these crazy, like, experiences she's had and going to Meadows, and I just heard so much about it, and she finally invited me, and I was like, okay. I'm ready, like I'm ready to go and your invite really changed my life and God changed my life too. Just as soon as I walked in, it was different. It was different than any other church. I mean, you welcomed me, I met so many people. It's just almost as, it's almost as if it felt like I belonged and you guys made, like God made me feel that way and the church made me feel that way and it was, it was just amazing. And uh, ever since you brought me to church, I was just like, maybe this is meant for me. Yeah. You know, people in life, they won't meet up to your expectations, they really won't, but he will. He's always there, no matter what. It's kind of crazy to think that, you know, someone like that you can't see is just like giving you all this love, but when you think totally of him and does. you look yeah. up, like you just look up anywhere and just think about like, wow, he really loves me. Like he's done mm -hmm. all of these things for me and yeah. he does that for everyone. As long as you choose him, I mean, that's all it takes is just going after that relationship and, and growing through it. I mean, at first it seems almost kind of crazy. It, it doesn't feel like, you know, this is gonna help me. This isn't gonna help me at all. I, but that's the devil. That's the devil attacking and mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just, exactly. It took me my whole entire life mm -hmm. <laughs> to sit down and just read the Bible. I remember Shelly telling me specifically, she's like, you gotta 
Bible. It's just, it'll change you. You got to read the Bible. Did you read the Bible today? <laughs> I was like, no, but I'll get to it. You know, what's kind of crazy is I prayed on it before I did. And then just, I woke up the next day and I, I just read it. It's yeah. kind of crazy to think about, but I just, I felt the need in the pool to to read the Bible. And he just sent me multiple messages through that and going to church as well. Um, it's just a different experience. Uh, life group, you know, you have about, depending on how big your life group is, you have 10 people connecting with you, but at church, you have a whole crowd connecting yeah. with you and you're all connected through God. I mean, we also learn together as well. It's just a beautiful thing. And yeah. it's a new experience that I think everyone should experience. Everyone has hard days that make them feel like this is the end. Will I make it tomorrow? Will I see um, 10 years from now? Will I be happy? Who am I? Just just going through the motions of life isn't enough for most. Mm -hmm. And that's because they have this this God-given purpose. They mm -hmm. have that this calling that just yes. pulls at them that, yeah. Yes, I, I think that um, although, you know, most are lost and are just going through the motions of life, waking up every day wondering, am I happy? As soon as they change their lifestyle and make it a Christ-centered lifestyle, regardless of whether that's just reading the Bible every morning or um, even if it's just praying every night, going even through those, those small steps. Those small yeah. steps really do make a big difference. Um, I think whatever life throws at you, as soon as you are God-centered, it's nothing because He's there and He has your back and He has He's holding out His hand and guiding you through this journey. And with Him, it's different. You wake up and you just like you appreciate life in the smallest ways. Like whatever path that you choose to take, He's gonna be right there with he you. He's actively chasing you. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? I, I love hearing it. I don't know if Jasmine ever dreamed she would be going to Meadows to any church before we came to town, and, and now she's inviting Nicole. Well, you didn't hear in that story. By the way, I wrote this down. She's, uh, Nicole said, your invite changed my life. If you, don't under, if you don't know the power that you have through just inviting somebody, I hope you know it now. She said, her words, your invite changed my life. Do you know how much it changed uh, Nicole's life? Nicole was living in Texas at the time. She'd visited Meadows before, but she, her home was Texas. So, but, but guess what? Through going through a lot of struggles in a dark place and having no hope and feeling that shame and that guilt and some things that you couldn't hear on that video, um, she was in a desperate situation. So because Nicole, or because Jasmine invited her, you know she actually moved from Texas to, to the Nebraska area because of Meadows Church to come to the church. That was your primary focus. That's how much of an impact that, that Jasmine and her invitation had on Nicole. It blows me away. There are so many people that have no hope. There are so many people that, that feel shame and feel guilt, feel condemnation, just like the woman caught in adultery, just like Nicole had felt in her life, just like I felt when I sat in a church 13 years ago thinking, God, I don't even get it. Why are you even, I shouldn't even be in a church. Are you kidding me? I don't belong here. Like I, you want to talk about shame and guilt and feeling worthless. I don't, it was such a dark place. And I'm sobbing and in the, in the chairs and it's so terrible. And I'm thinking to myself, and, and Jesus, I mean, he didn't talk to me like he talked to the woman, but he might as well have because I felt the shame and the guilt. And, and it's like he said to me, where are your accusers? I don't know. Do they condemn you? I, no, I don't think so. And neither do I. 
Now, now start living a different life. You have a second chance. And I couldn't understand it. I'll never forget when it hit me. Like this Holy Spirit, I, I just, I, I thought to myself, I don't understand that. Like, like God, you're perfect, you're loving, you're powerful, you, um, you are grace, you are mercy, you are forgiveness, and I'm the opposite of every one of those things. Why are we even having this conversation? I don't deserve that. Like, I don't get God's grace even years later. I don't understand it. Here's the great news for you and I. We don't need to understand it. We just need to receive it and believe that there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. That's what he does. He makes things new. He gives you second chances, third chances, fourth chances. Some of you, you know what I'm talking about because you've been there. We are a front row seat to the grace of God. That should excite you. But something else. We, as a Meadows Church, aren't just Meadows focused. We are kingdom focused. We are kingdom focused. What do you mean kingdom focused? I'll tell you exactly what I mean. God's kingdom it's way bigger than our church. God's plans are way bigger than any plans I had moving to Omaha area, way bigger. And he has showed me something and something that, that, that is telling to me and something that really has spurred us to be different are, are what I'm gonna share with you. And that is this, and this will be, this will be enlightening to many of you. It was to me even as a pastor. Uh, most of the churches in America um, are not trending in the right direction. The first stat you see there this is what most churches are doing. 80% of the churches are, they're, they're, they're dying. That's one word to put it. They're losing people, like we talked about in our, earlier, in our earlier stat. So they're subtracting or they're barely just getting by, plateauing or just sustaining. Just, 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 I mean, this is the mass amount of churches. This is where they're at. This should bother you. It bothers me. So Meadows, I, thank God we're not there. So we're at the next tier, 16% of churches are here. They're adding, right? They're adding people. New people are coming, new people, like we got new people today. We have new people every week. We've had new people every week since we've launched. I mean, okay, we should, we should praise that. We've had new people every week. Every week. 80% of the churches, they ain't seeing new people any other weeks. Okay, I'm not saying we're better. I'm just giving you statistics. I'm just showing you facts right now. 80% are, are subtracting or surviving. 16% of churches are adding. New people are coming. And then the other 4% are multiplying. What that means is they're, they're at, people are coming in, but they're also, like, they're also planting churches. They're also starting other churches. Like Meadows, we wouldn't exist if, if, if Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls hadn't, God hadn't got a hold of me and, and they said, all right, we're gonna, plant you in where God's calling you. So that, if it, so they're, like the church I came from, they're in the 4%. So this, this is, it's so crazy, but everything has a life cycle. Everything living has a life cycle. Trees, grass, you, me, churches are living. A church is a living organism, if you didn't know. Every church has a life cycle. As much as I'd love to tell you metals will be around 100 years from now, probably won't be. Probably won't be. That's just, that's just a reality. Maybe, but everything has a life cycle. Meadows, we're, we're, hit, we're, we're three, so we've gotten through our terrible twos, haven't we? Have we? I don't know if we'll ever get through those, but we, 
There's a life cycle, but here's, here's what makes churches powerful. When they get to the multiplying part, which is where I believe God wants every church, to be honest with you, I'm just being honest, like the churches that we read about in the New Testament, Ephesus, Galatia, Colossae, all these places, they're gone. If you didn't know. Jerusalem, that first church, gone. They're gone. We read about them and learn from them, and they're amazing. Uh, it's amazing how God speaks, and Paul wrote through to those churches. Those churches don't exist. But guess what? Churches that they planted, 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 and all of a sudden, Meadows Church is birthed. This is the power when the church gets about the Father's business. I'm excited to tell you, Meadows Church, in less than three years, we, we're not in the 80%. We're no longer in the 16%. We're already in the 4% of churches that are multiplying because we're planting crossover church in West Omaha. So that, that's why we're such an anomaly. I get, a, I get a front row seat sitting with other pastors and planters, and they look to us. as I mean, they're, and I'm like, gosh, God, I hope they don't find out. I have no clue what I'm doing. But I mean, they're like, they look to me as like this denominational leader and this, and it's, it's amazing. You know why they do that? And it shocks me. They're like, and they're all coming to me. What are you doing? What are you doing? I'm like, I, I mean, I'm praying a lot. Thank God I, I preach the word. But you know, and we do, we are very strategic in a lot of things. So we do know what we're doing in a lot of cases. Um, and God's in the center of it. But it's so, it, but it's hard. It's hard to be a planting church, and why most churches aren't there is because 80%, when you can't even get people to come in, it's hard to think about sending anybody out. The people that are multiple, or people that are adding, well, it's nice to add people. We get a bigger facility, we get more seats, the pastor can feel good about himself, like I'm some great leader, I'm leading thousands of people, we're a mega church. So it, ego gets in the way because uh, you don't release people, because releasing people is hard. I mean, it, it's difficult. Because you're releasing your best people. Like, I love Casey and Amanda. I don't want them to go. Personally, I don't want them to go. But I know, I know he's called. Why would I? I can't hold that back. God's going God's gonna to do more, way more, through two churches than he will through one church. I guarantee you that. I guarantee you that. So it's very difficult for churches to do that. So I'm so proud this is our culture. It's not easy. Don't hear that. But it's so God. So... I, mean, I don't know if you knew you were going to be part of this, but we're going to take a few minutes. We're going to commission, and that just means pray over and, and, and ask for God's anointing and blessing over Casey and Amanda as they, as they plant Crossover Church. So Casey, Amanda, your family, come on up here. Jody, come on up here. So give it up. I mean, they're... Uh, and they moved here with the thought that, yeah, we might plant a church, but how many of you, you talk about something, but you don't do it? Okay, that'd be all of us. I mean, think about you, how you work out. So, me too. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's easy to talk about it. But when push comes to shove and you start saying, you know what, we're going to send uh, X amount of our money away. And this, mu this much of our budget is going to cross over. And it's substantial. But then it, it, it just stretches your faith. And then people have to come in and lead and fill in the cracks. And then God shows up and people start giving. And it's just watching God do it. Just We never can get comfortable. And this, if we keep doing what we're doing here, we'll never be comfortable as a church, and that's a good place to be. So, I, uh, here's the scripture I thought of. Matthew 5, 14. I don't know if I even gave it on the slide, but you are the light of the world. Like, remember earlier, I think I said it. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Then Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Well, Jesus, I thought you were. And Jesus is like, well, if you're in me, you're reflecting my light, so you're the light of the world. This is the church. You don't just come and take. You are my light, and you are to be me to other people. You are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. You are the light of the world, a, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. 
You are the light of the world. As they walked up here, I thought about when I walked up for my commissioning, and Jody and I would have never dreamed um, we would be planting a church or anything like that. And I bet Casey and Amanda never dreamed. I mean, Casey and I met at, a, at, a, uh, ch- at the church where we, got, where we found Jesus, and we're, we met at a, a serving event where we were signing up to volunteer in the church. And I guarantee he wasn't thinking, I'm going to plant a church someday. You know, Casey's friends, you know where they thought that Casey would be right now? In jail. That's where they thought he'd be. You know where my friends thought I'd be? They thought I'd be a cellmate, okay? I'm just saying. So, and look at us. So it's just, God is pretty cool. So I'm gonna pray for you guys. And this is what I wanna do. There's, there's people that have been called to go to Crossover and they're, some of them are moving. I mean, they're literally moving from this area of Omaha to that area just for the church. And for some of you, that sounds crazy. Why you'd move? I tell you what, when God gets a hold of your heart, what's more important than leading people to Christ? What is more important? And as they walked up here, you know what I thought? I bet there's people sitting here today and you're thinking, my, that would never be me or I'd never be part of this. You'd be amazed. None of us ever thought it either. None of us. And neither did the first church in Acts. They never dreamed that Jesus Christ would anoint them and use them to change the world. And he did. Fishermen, tax collectors, any What God wants to do through you. So we've got, because you're the light of the world, Casey, I don't want to get weird here, but... Um, so Casey, this is, this is a lighthouse. This is for you and Amanda and your family. It says Crossover Church. They're going to launch in Elkhorn. The goal was to launch actually last weekend, if you didn't know. That's when Crossover was supposed to launch. But Casey screwed everything up, so now, now we don't know when they're going. I'm just kidding. So uh, no, COVID has actually been a little bit of a culprit in that, and they can't really gather right now. They found a golf course uh, where a church used to meet, and they found a building. So Crossover is going to be at some, what's the name of the golf course? The Club at Indian Creek. The club at Indian Creek. So uh, we hope they launch at the end of the year, maybe a Christmas launch or a New Year launch. Uh, that's our goal. So, but it, Elkhorn, uh, they, they moved. They lived in Papillion. Now they live in Bennington. So um, it's just exciting what God is doing. So I want to give that to you guys. And that's a reminder, when things get tough, and they will, um, when things get tough, you need to look to the light. You need to look to the light, and that will give you strength to know that God, this is bigger than me. And when you feel like giving up, and you will, you'll look to the light and say, Jesus said, he is the light of the world. And now I'm to reflect his light. Because in Matthew 5, 14, he said, now I'm the light of the world. I love that. If you're part of Crossover Church, or you've been called to be part of Crossover Church, you already know who you are, I want you to stand right now just where you're at. That's right. I know there's some in here. Don't leave me hanging. Yeah, give it up for them. And, and as they get called out, other people, we've had to find new, new leaders for guest services, host team. Guess what? We have them. Everything you need is in the church. And as we continually got, allow God to use our gifts and our talents, we'll, we'll keep being in that 4%. I never want to leave that 4% ever, ever. So if you're, if you're close to somebody that's standing right now, I just ask you to put a hand um, on them or towards them as we pray for them. Uh, we're going to put hand, lay hands on Casey and Amanda here and we're going to pray for them and congregation would you would you just raise your hand towards Casey and Amanda and let's let's just ask for God's anointing and blessing over their church and and over their family father i thank you so much i share those stats and god i really hope they sink into the church that 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 meadows really is an anomaly i mean it shouldn't be i it, it shouldn't be like that god but it is and honestly, God, if I can just repent right now, when I moved, to, when I moved here, I had thoughts 
Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna plant churches. We're gonna plant churches. But as people started to come and and, 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 and momentum started to happen, I thought to myself, Oh gosh. We're just starting to gain momentum, and then we're going to send people out. We're going to lose momentum, and I know that was the devil. I know it was. Now as I look back, we will release whoever you ask us to release, God. And we will ask that you use them in ways that, that, that only you can do. Today, God, we ask for blessings over Casey and Amanda, over Cohen and Kenley, their entire family. God, I pray that you keep them healthy. I, I pray that you keep them strong in the faith. It, because here's the thing. The, the enemy's going to come hard on them. I know that. But devil, I just rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. You have no authority over this church, their church, or any church claiming the name of Jesus Christ. God, fill them with your presence and your Holy Spirit. I thank you that the church with hands stretched out to them and towards the people that are called to go with them, that God, that this church will continually pray for them and continually um, just um, ask for blessings and guidance for them. And uh, God, you, you're, you're gonna use them to reach people that we cannot reach over here. People don't drive that far to church anymore. They don't. It just, um, you know, most people anyway. So, but God, we officially commission Casey and Amanda and the family to be a part, not just to be a part, but to lead Crossover Church with you, your son Jesus Christ at the center. I pray for guidance as they navigate the launch that will hopefully happen in a couple months. But even before then, I know they're casting vision. I know they're having meetings. I know they're doing outreach and gatherings. God bless all that. Draw people in. We came to reach lost people. There's a lot of lost people in our community. And God, over on West Omaha, we pray that lost people will be stirred to be a part of something bigger than themselves and meet Jesus. Meet him. Have an encounter. Not just hear about him, but have an encounter. We are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop. That that you can't stop that light. God, Casey and Amanda and Crossover Church will be that light and they will plant churches that plant churches and the gospel will keep going forth and lives will continually be changed. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name I pray and we all say amen. One more praise to God for what he's doing. Thank you guys. Love you guys. Proud of you. Proud of you. Thank you. So as they walk off again, I don't want this church to ever think, God, that's great for them, but I'm just, I'm just, you know, that's them and I'm me. No, you could be them. Maybe not a church planter, maybe a church planter. I just know that we're all called to do something big in the name of Jesus. <laughs> change lives. The church, Jesus uses the church to change lives. It's what he does. Jesus is the one that brings salvation, but the vehicle to bring it is the local church. The local church. We call it the hope of the world. Jesus uses the church to change lives. I love that. Everything the world will offer you, everything the world offers you is temporal. Everything. Everything. It'll all be gone one day. But everything the church, everything the church represents, everything the church offers you is eternal. Okay? And a, and a church centered on Jesus will change lives. Ask Jasmine. Ask Nicole, a church centered on Jesus will change lives, it will change families, it will change communities, it will change the world. We are the church. And we are kingdom focused. You are kingdom focused because you're the church. And I'm the church and we're the church. A church that isn't perfect. God knows we're not perfect. I mean, as soon as you walked in here, we were all jacked up. No offense. As soon as I walked in here, we were all jacked up. But we, Jesus, Jesus didn't say we'd be known by our perfection. He said we'd be known by our love. 
Church is messy. Church is hard. You guys will feel like giving up. I think I shared the story. I was talking to one guy, and I'm like, I'm done. He's like, you're done with ministry? I said, no, I'm just done with the people of ministry. <laughs> it's just, just the people part. You know, just the people part. It's, like, it's difficult, but it's so worth it. I want to be known by our love. I want to be known by our love. Jesus said, you won't be known by your perfection. You'll be known by your love. And that we'll never stop just reaching one more for Jesus. I close by saying you maybe uh, haven't seen a movie called Hacksaw Ridge. It's, uh, it's rated R, so don't take little Billy to it, okay? I'm just saying. Unless little Billy's 32 and lives in your basement. But then if that's happening, you've got bigger problems. So whatever. But Hacksaw Ridge is a movie directed by Mel Gibson. And uh, it's... Uh, it's about a, uh, I don't know what his rank was, but an officer in the army during World War II in the 1940, 41, whatever. And Desmond Doss, true story. So the dude wouldn't carry a gun and his platoon hated him because of it. Because we're in a war, we're in a battle. And you're not gonna carry a weapon? What good are you? You know, but he wouldn't do it just for his reasons. He just didn't believe that, he didn't wanna do that. He wanted to be a part, he wanted to help. But he thought, you guys all got guns, that's cool. I'm, I just don't wanna carry one and you know, whatever. And they tried to kick him out. Like, they literally abused him. His own platoon was abusing him. His own officer, the guy in charge of him, it says, what was the guy's name? They made his life hell, it said. I watched a documentary. Captain Jack Glover tried to get him transferred. In the documentary, Glover, Glover says that Doss, Desmond Doss, told him, you know what, don't ever doubt my courage because I'll be right with you saving life while, while you have to take life because that's part of war. And his, his captain's response was, Glover's response, you're not going to be by my damn side, excuse the language I'm just reading, if you don't have a gun. Hey, I don't want you by my side. Another officer said, you know what, as soon as we go into combat, I'll make sure you don't come back to their, his own, their own. That's how much they hated him. They tried to get him transferred. They tried to get him kicked out. Finally, they made him a medic. Said, okay, you can be a medic. You're not going to carry a weapon, whatever. Be a medic. Well, the story goes that they were in a battle, Hacksaw Ridge, of course, the, hence the movie. And uh, it was horrible. I mean, against the Japanese, uh, I think in the island of Okinawa, it was just terrible. Tons of death, tons of casualty. And, and, and Desmond Doss, if you watch the movie or see the documentaries, what he does as a medic is, is there all, all these bodies are mangled and laying on the ground and you know, people are barely alive and, and he's crawling to people and he's trying to get them to safety because if they get down the ridge, if they get down Hacksaw Ridge where other people are waiting, they could be safe and they could be taken care of. But up here, it's just him. It's just him and all these bodies and all these people that are barely breathing. So in fact, here's a quick like minute clip of it. Just check this out. Please, Lord, help me get one more. Help me get one more. Oh, no.
more. Help me get one more. He, uh, he got 75. So he rescued 75 people over 12 hours. He'd crawl across the top of the ridge by himself, lowering all 75 down by himself with rope. And I think of that story, and I think just one more. As we plant Crossover Church, just one more. As we invite, as you invite, and you keep inviting because we're a front row seat to the grace of God and we're kingdom focused, we need just one more. See, this is God's church. And we are like a medic. And I, I watched that video this week, and I thought, we're like the church is the medic the church i mean people are dying out there in the world on a ridge called this earth called this 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 tiny bit of time that we're on earth they're literally dying of addiction they're dying of depression they're dying of loneliness they're dying of a lack of jesus they're dying in so many different ways and i know they look fine on the outside but they're not far from okay and we're this medic and God is saying, just one more. I know it's going to be hard, but just one more. You can't stop. Just one more because you are my medic. You are my church. You are my people. And you need to get just one more. Meadows will never be a museum for saints. You'll never see a lot of statues or a lot of stuff. We're just not that. But we are a hospital for sinners because we're going to get just one more because God has called his church to do that. This is the church to go after just one more. I need to get just one more. God is calling me to, that's the church. There's one thing that Jesus said he would build. One thing, read the scriptures, read it from front to back. One thing Jesus said he would build. The only thing, the church. That's it, nothing else. One thing that Jesus gave his life for, the church. Jesus said it, on this rock, I will build my church. What did he say he would build? What did he say he would build? His church and the gates of hell will not prevail. God is calling us to be that church. I wanna be that church. The band can come up. And I'll tell you, I'll go back to that scripture that I gave you. Remember when Jesus bent down with the woman humiliated? She probably wanted to die. Please stone me. I feel like a complete reject and loser. Kill me. I bet she almost wanted to kill me. I'm naked. I'm laying here. And Jesus bends down twice and he writes in the dirt. Scholars, nobody knows. It's not in scripture. So scholars, I don't even care. Debate all you want. We don't know. I've heard stories. Oh, I bet Jesus bent down and wrote other sins. Maybe. I bet Jesus bent down and wrote the names of all the people that were standing around with rocks in their hand. Maybe. Since everybody wanted to give their take, I'll give mine. Here's what I think Jesus did. I might be right. I might be wrong. I'll find out someday. See, the crowd was never his focus. They were into religion. I don't think he cared much about what they were saying or doing at that moment. He loved them, but they weren't his focus. See, I think the, I think the entire time that Jesus was there, as soon as they ripped that woman out and he saw this creation that he created, I think as soon as he saw her naked and laying there just trying to cover up, praying to die, I think Jesus, all he could think, all he could think about was her. That's it. I wonder if he got down like this just to shield her from people. He bent down twice. I wonder if he's just trying to protect her and shield her so they don't see her. And he writes in the dirt. And the first time, I wonder if he just writes in the dirt. And then he has to stand up again and say something again. 
Remember, yet he who is out without sin cast the first stone? And then he bends back down, shielding her, because they were never the focus. She was always the focus. She was on his heart and his mind, just like you're on his heart and his mind. And he bends down again, remember, the second time? And I wonder if he's writing, I, as he looks her in the eyes, love you. That's what I think he wrote. I don't think he wrote anything to anybody else in that moment. They weren't, on, they, they weren't the focus there. She was the focus the whole time. And he's saying, I came for you. I love you. And today God tells you the same thing. Jesus tells you the same thing, that he came for you. He loves you. I'll never stop reminding you of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus would willingly climb on a cross, willingly for you. The grace of God, when he was crucified, he was dead. It had to happen for you and for that woman. And then three days later was the greatest miracle in history. And I'll tell you what, this church will never stop telling you the greatest miracle in history was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. No other God has ever, ever brought himself back to life, ever. We always say it's one one of the reasons Jesus is a core value. It makes sense. It's a church. But I'm just like, if a dude can predict his own death and resurrection and then pull it off, I'm following that guy. I'm following him. I'll follow him till the day he calls me home. Because he's right, because he gets down with me and he says, Monty, despite you still losing your temper with your kids and you're a pastor, I love you. I don't like you doing that, but I love you. And regardless of where you've been or what you've done, the Lord says to you today, I love you. And if you've never accepted Jesus, truly accepted him, I'm not talking about hearing about Jesus. I'm talking about a personal encounter with him. It can happen right now. I'm going to pray for you. And we're going to sing. I'm sorry it went a little long today, but hey, God's being lifted up and lives are being changed. Father, I thank you so much for the beauty of your church. I know churches are messed up. I know churches are imperfect, but it's still your bride. It's still your vehicle to save people through your son, Jesus Christ. As we think about and reflect on your love for us, God, I thank you for the salvation that you offer. That that woman in a moment could be touched by the grace of God and be transformed forever because of an encounter with, our, with Jesus Christ. See, when you meet Jesus, when you truly meet him, not hear about him, but meet him, your life will change. And there are people in this place, there are people watching online that need to just surrender everything and say, God loves me. His grace covers me. It makes me new. And I accept that. I accept that Jesus is God's son. I accept that he died on a cross and I accept the greatest miracle in history. He rose from the dead. And because he rose from the dead, he is who he said he was. And he offers what he said he offers. And that is new life that starts today and goes forever in heaven. God, somebody needs to surrender their life to Jesus today. They already know who they are, God. I pray that they have the courage to do it. And for those that need prayer, that they'll come up after the song and pray. They'll go in the prayer room right back here and pray there. But I pray they don't leave here until they they have an encounter with you, God. Because this is a front row seat to the grace of God. We love you and we thank you. And you know I gotta say it, God, that in you, we can't stop saying it. The best is yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray and we all say, Amen.
Hey, thanks so much for watching today, but don't stop there. We want to invite you to be part of our Meadows family. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe to our Meadows YouTube channel. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. And not only that, share this message with a friend. I encourage you. So many people are looking for hope and encouragement, and you and I have the ability to bring it to them. So again, thanks for watching, and God bless you.